before we prayed, I had intended to recognize our veterans, and so I'm going to do that now and then proceed with the message. But this Thursday is Veterans Day in our country, and at Huguenot Road Baptist Church, we take time during the week of Veterans Day to say thank you. And so we would ask today that if you are a veteran of our country and are able to, please stand or raise your hand so that we can say thank you. Thank you for your service. May God bless you. You stand in for thousands of others on this day who have served faithfully and made sacrifices, often the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you. And thanks be to God for your presence today. In his gospel, John tells us that at some point after the healing of the man born blind, that the Jewish religious leaders continued to be hostile toward Jesus. In John 10.39, John writes, They tried to seize Jesus, but he escaped their grasp. Jesus and his disciples fled Jerusalem and went to the other Bethany, the Bethany of Perea, about 20 miles east of Jerusalem, across the Jordan, east of Jordan, the Jordan River. There, it was thought that Jesus would be safe from those who pursued him, far from hostility. Apparently, some of Jesus' followers knew where he had traveled, and they got word to him that his dear friend Lazarus was very sick. Lazarus, as many of you know, had two sisters, Martha and Mary. They were from the town of Bethany, which was about two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus had fled to the farther away Bethany. So if Jesus were to go back to where Lazarus was, it would be right back in the direction of hostility. We can read more about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the, the, the sisters of Lazarus, in Luke chapter 10. You remember Martha had the gift of hospitality, and whenever Jesus came to stay with them, she would fix a feast fit for a king, while Mary had the gift of discernment and would sit at Jesus' feet and hear him speak until the oil ran out of the lamp. The three siblings were dear friends of Jesus. You can see it in the way that they notified Jesus of Lazarus' condition in 11, chapter 11, verse 3. The one, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. And then in verse 5, John offers commentary saying, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. There's no question of the relationship that the three had with Jesus. But after learning that Lazarus was sick, Jesus remained in Bethany of Perea, east of the Jordan, for another two days. Then he decided to make the trip back to where Lazarus and his sisters were. 
right back into the middle of hostility where the people had tried to stone him not long before. What happens next tells us that this story is not about Lazarus at all. It's not about Martha and Mary. It's not about the disciples. Rather, it is about the living God who makes all things new. This is a story about this is a story among a series of stories in John, the first 11 chapters that point to God and the work of God in and through Jesus his son. The stories help us to remember God's glory. They are stories of God's glory. Stories that point to the resurrection from death to life, water to wine, being born again, living water, feeding the multitudes, walking on water, Jesus as the bread of life, Jesus who gives sight to the blind, Jesus as the good shepherd. The stone rolled away, Lazarus raised back to life. These stories serve as a collection of narratives that give glory to the God who loves, who saves, and redeems. It would be short-sighted, in my view, for us to view this story as simply one where we wonder why Jesus took so long to go back to Lazarus. If we dwell on that kind of thinking, it points to a God who serves at our beck and call. Rather, Jesus waited. He knew Lazarus had died. He also knew that in a short while that he himself would endure the cross and be placed in a cold, dark tomb. He knew that the stone would be firmly in place. He knew that on the third day the stone would be rolled away and that the tomb would be empty. Later, Martha and Mary and his disciples would make the connection between the story of Lazarus and the story of Easter. But in the moment, their faith was tested. The doubts of Martha and Mary penned into the canon of Scripture for all to read. One commentator writes, This story, then, is not about a family in crisis in Bethany so much as it is about the crisis of the world caught in death and sin. It's not so much about resuscitating a corpse as it is about giving life to the world. So much in this story is reminiscent of Gethsemane, Golgotha, and Easter. In this story, Jesus is deeply moved and troubled. Jesus weeps. The tomb of Lazarus is near Jerusalem. The tomb is a cave with a large stone covering it. The stone is rolled away. Jesus cried with a loud voice. The grave cloths are removed, and the one who was dead but now is alive walks from the grave. One can hardly read this account and continue to think of Lazarus. One, says the commentator, thinks of Jesus. It's a resurrection story. The story of Lazarus' resurrection from death is just that, a resurrection story. We are a resurrection people. Every Sunday is an Easter for us with Jesus as the main character. But on All Saints Day, the day when we recognize the saints who have gone before us, 
It begs us to remember that the drama of salvation history cannot be told adequately without a list of cast members and crew, runners, stagehands, lighting, makeup, costumes, many out of the spotlight, literally behind the scenes. Do you remember Simeon in Luke's gospel, the second chapter, who in his old age was present at the dedication of the infant Jesus and took him into his arms and blessed him and blessed his parents? Do you remember Simeon? Do you remember the prophetess Anna? who spent her life fasting and praying at the temple in anticipation of the birth of the Messiah, devoted her entire life behind the scenes to fasting and prayer. Do you remember the unnamed child who gave his lunch, they say, to be multiplied by Jesus to feed thousands? The disciples wondered how all of those people would eat. And Jesus took the meal from a little boy whose name is not recorded in Scripture and fed thousands. Do you remember Ananias, a one-hit wonder whom God called to pray for Saul, whom God had chosen as the one who would be an ambassador to the Gentiles in the name of Jesus? Ananias would be the one who would pray and lay hands on Saul and would baptize him. These are lesser known and often unknown saints we remember. The story of Lazarus is no different in my view. But the saint in this story was faithful, did not sit and pray at the temple, did not share his lunch to be multiplied. He did not baptize the one who wrote over half of the New Testament. He was a behind-the-scenes person, an unnamed runner, a courier with a purpose. Much like the faithful church members here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church who on Sunday mornings sit in the nursery and rock our little babies as they sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Thank you, saints. Like the member who brings soup to a dear friend every week without fail. Thank you, saints. Like the members who set up chairs for worship week after week for the awakening service. Thank you, saints. Like our members who faithfully bow the knee in prayer for our pastors and staff and ask nothing or desire no credit. Thank you, saints. And like the ones who give so sacrificially to the ministries here at our church without any need for recognition or desire for publicity. Thank you, saints. Listen to how the writer and pastor Max Lucado writes of this unknown saint in the story of Lazarus. If Scripture boasted a list of the famous dead, Lazarus would be near the top. But I'd like you to think about someone else in the story. His name is not important. His looks are immaterial. His gender is of no concern. His title is irrelevant. He's important not because of who he is, but because of what he did. He is someone who went to Jesus on behalf of a friend. Have you ever done that? 
get to him. He went to Jesus on behalf of a friend. Lazarus was sick, and Jesus could help, and someone needed to go to Jesus, so someone went. Others cared for the sick man at home. Someone brought food. Others provided treatment. Still others comforted his sisters and the family. Sound like a church? Indeed it does. Each role was crucial. Each person was helpful, but none more than important than the one who went to Jesus. He went because he was asked to go. If you read the first part of chapter 11, both sisters requested that somebody go to Jesus. And an earnest appeal came, we need someone who will tell Jesus, my brother is sick. We need someone to ask him to come. Will you go? The sisters would have gone themselves, but they couldn't leave their brother's bedside. Some of you know exactly what that is like. They needed someone else to go for them. Not just anyone, mind you. For not just anyone could. Some were too busy. Others didn't know the way. Some fatigued too quickly. Others were inexperienced on the path. Not everyone could go. And not everyone would go. This was no small request the sisters were making. They needed a diligent ambassador, someone who knew how to find Jesus, someone who would quit mid-journey, someone who would make sure the message got delivered, someone who was as convinced as they were that Jesus must know what had happened. They knew of a trustworthy friend, person, and to them they went. They entrusted their needs to someone, and that someone took their needs to Jesus Christ. John writes, so Mary and Martha sent someone to tell Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Someone carried the request. Someone walked the trail. Someone went to Jesus on behalf of Lazarus. And because someone went, Jesus responded. Y'all, the power of prayer does not depend on the one who makes the prayer, but on the one who hears the prayer. When Jesus heard this, says verse 4, he said, The sickness will not end in death. It is for the glory of God, to bring glory to the Son of God. It's a story of God's glory. Jesus heard the request. He stopped what he was doing and took note of the man's words, the anonymous courier was heard by God. His voice, church like your voice, like mine, matters in heaven. Listen to the rest of the story. John 11, starting at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus, well, he wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. 
But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been here four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lazarus was healed because someone made the request. Someone went to Jesus. Would Jesus have responded if the messenger had not spoken? Perhaps, but we have no guarantee. The scripture doesn't go there. We do, however, have an example that the power of God was triggered by prayer. Jesus looked down at the very throat of death's tavern and called Lazarus back to life, all because someone went and appealed to Jesus. In the economy of heaven, the prayers of the saints are a valued commodity. Never underestimate, church, your role in the plans and purposes of God. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Every single one of us has a unique role to play in the kingdom of God. Some are out in the open and others are behind the scenes. And all of us work together for the glory of God to tell the story of a God who loves, who saves, and redeems. Let us pray.